We get going at 4.07 on a Tuesday. Troy Coverdale with you flying solo. Mitch is on his way to Emporia for Manhattan High Basketball, but we'll get Mitch Palm coming up in hour number two. In fact, we'll start hour number two with the look at tonight's matchup with Oklahoma from Mitch's technical view. It caught my attention today that the University of Kansas has picked up a grant, and it's an interesting one, given all of the arguments over the years on just what exactly should be done with Memorial Stadium. The Lawrence Journal World uncovering that the Kansas Department of Commerce is giving KU a 25, check that, a $50 million state grant for part of its project surrounding Memorial Stadium. That project expected to cost $300 million, but to get the University Challenge grant, KU Endowment had to backstop the project to the tune of $150 million, meaning they have to raise that much in donor funds or use existing endowment funds. This is not the athletic department stuff. No, this is the university that is having to backstop with its endowment. I want to give the example here as to why this is interesting beyond the fact that, well, again, here's KU having to go to its administration and beyond for funding of facilities and the like, stuff that K-State's donors have provided for athletics over the years to where they don't have to go to the administration Think about this for a moment. That's how hard up Kansas is in terms of what it wants to do with its football stadium. Now, their reasoning for requesting the challenge grant, besides the point that they need the money to get this thing off the ground, the idea is that it will add several non-football amenities to the area, at 11th and Mississippi, a conference center, offices for medical providers, restaurant and retail space, and other attractions meant to entice students to enroll and their families to visit. According to the Journal World, the strategy to use the football stadium to attract new students ended up being a pivotal part of KU's pitch for the state grant which is designed to help the public's universities improve the state's economy. K-State got half of that for a project completely unrelated to athletics. K-State was given $25 million this week. A $25 million grant for the renovation and infrastructure project that the Department of Ag 
is going to be undergoing. K-State already raised $75 million in private donations to compete for the maximum available single award of $25 million. KU is getting double that, and they're having to backstop it with their endowment for their football stadium. Um, the project, by the way, now at least has a goal date in front of it in terms of at least some of the work being done. Projects awarded University Challenge Grant funding are supposed to be completed by September 2026. This is unreal. They get a $50 million grant from the Department of Commerce for their football stadium. Oh, I'm sorry, for their football stadium neighborhood project. K-State gets $25 million, much needed. And, by the way, our donors stepped up once again, but K-State gets half of that for something that's much more dramatically needed and will have a larger impact on the state as a whole. Unbelievable. It really does speak volumes, though, to the pinch that KU Athletics feels. The recognition that they need to, have to, must do something with that eyesore that is Memorial Stadium. To the point that they have to have their administration, their endowment, backstop the grant and essentially cover if they come up short in the $150 million that they're promising that they're going to raise. Overall, the project is expected to cost more than $300 million. Chancellor Douglas Sherrod said in the application to the state, the project represents a once-in-a-generation opportunity to strengthen KU as the state's primary talent magnet and enhance KU's ability to produce talented graduates for the Kansas workforce. You're funding a football stadium. You're funding a football stadium with state taxpayer dollars. That's not much of a magnet for talent to come to your university. I mean, it's nice. Good on you for putting together a plan finally to take a look at the place, do something with it. But seriously, you're going to claim that the football stadium 
is a opportunity to strengthen KU as the state's primary talent magnet. I kid you not. Actual words in the grant request from KU's chancellor. Now, the thought process is that they have to do this to keep themselves in a major conference. I don't disagree with that aspect of it. The fact of the matter is that we're all fully aware of the importance of remaining in a Power Five. But to put this on the university endowment and the state department of commerce to fund your football stadium k-staters you should be proud because ku essentially just admitted that they can't keep up with you that they don't have the donations to keep up with you that they don't have the ability to provide for their facilities the way that k-staters do that they don't have the ability to fund their university athletic department without having to go begging to A, their administration, and B, the state government. Point B irritates me, but that's me. And the, you know, separate of the fact of K-State's necessity in what their grant was asking for versus the necessity of a football stadium on the KU campus, half that to fund ag, half that for our College of Agriculture versus yeah, $25 million for our College of Agriculture. They get $50 million for their football stadium. From the state. You want to know why that rankles me? Why I get tired of, of that? How many more examples do we need in this uh, state? Man. Um, that said... K-Staters, you should be proud. You continue to step up. You continue to take care of your own. You continue to take care of what's been asked of you to provide for in terms of facilities. I saw yesterday Athletics was tweeting out the stuff regarding the volleyball arena getting ready to open up. Man, is that going to be nice. I'm looking forward to being out at Toynton Family Stadium for baseball in the coming weeks. That's a huge, huge item that K-State donors funded. And Bob and Betty are tremendous K-Staters. Rest in peace, Betty. But through it all, you've donated for the scholarships, you donate... For the stadiums, you donate for 
any number of things. And by the way, now you're working NIL. This is why I'm not concerned about what needs to take place in terms of our coaches' pay now to keep pace. We've taken care of our buildings as donors. We have funded our buildings as donors. We have made sure that our facilities are top-notch for the conference we're in and for a bunch of others, by the way, having visited number of different places over the years. K-State's infrastructure is second to few, if none. And it's beautiful. It is tremendous to see. And to know that it has been done completely through the generosity of those who hold this university dear. That's what we're talking about when we talk about family. That's a huge part of it right there. KU admitting that they have to go to the state and their own endowment to even come close to putting together a project to take care of Memorial Stadium versus an entirely new football practice facility that went online just a few weeks ago completely from donation. You have a lot to be proud of, K-Staters. This is a wonderful feather in your cap. Because it's KU having to admit once again they can't keep up with you. For all of the bluster, for all of the talk, for all of the braggadocio, they can't keep up with you. They've never been able to. And they never will be able to. They're too consumed, well... (laughs) oh i could get into so many things right there i'm better off biting my tongue but the point is you continue to accomplish it you continue to do so without a lot of braggadocio you do it because you care You do it because you believe. You do it because you are bought into what's going on with our university and with its athletics programs. It is noticed. People understand it. The people down the road understand it. They have to go asking Not their donors, but the state and their administration for the dollars to be able to do what you as donors have provided for for your athletic department. 
on that note, coming up, we have Mitch Palm in the next hour, getting you set for K-State basketball tonight as the Cats are in Oklahoma to take on the Sooners. We've got much more to dig into this afternoon on the game. Mitch is out. I'm Troy Coverdale. Thanks for being with us. A grant. How much of that can be attributed to the fact that, well, they're still paying off their football coaching mistakes? Oh, man. (laughs) I completely forgot about it. The caller nails the question. And it's beautiful because it is so on point. It speaks to, though, how important success in football is. And this goes back even to the history of how important it has been that K-State hit the home run it did with the hiring of Bill Snyder. The utter and total impact on the K-State community of having the football program take up the mantle at the point it did historically is unbelievably huge. And I don't know that in the grand scheme of things, that we fully appreciate it. We look at where we are athletically at K-State and where we are as a university at K-State, and we understand the importance of it, the importance of being in a Power 5 conference, the importance of ensuring that the Big 12 continues to thrive despite the actions of such ne'er-do-wells as Texas and Oklahoma. KU is a great example of what happens when you try to make basketball the primary at a time where football essentially runs the college sports and entertainment business. There's no other way to put it. It is the business. I noted in the sportscast a few moments ago what the TV ratings were for the Super Bowl on Sunday. 113 million viewers for that game on Sunday. And even for all of the complaining that takes place surrounding the college football playoff semifinals and championship games, the ratings continue to be such that ESPN doesn't want anyone else to have the rights to those games. It makes them a lot of money because the ratings are high. John Weefald, in his vision, happened to recognize what was taking place at a point where college football 
was about to make a sea change in terms of the finances for every athletic department in the country. And, honestly, how football was going to be viewed as the driver for athletic departments. It already was big. I love getting into this history because you can just follow the timeline so beautifully. It breaks down so simply, but most don't realize how it breaks down. You have, at a point in the 80s, Oklahoma, among others, but specifically OU, Georgia was involved in this as well, but the final case was known as NCAA v. Oklahoma Board of Regents. The Supreme Court ruled that the NCAA could no longer limit the number of college football games that were broadcast each weekend. Up until that point, you were allowed a total of tops two football games a weekend on a network. ESPN was developing, but would not have had the programming that it has without an increase in availability of college football games. Oklahoma and Georgia and others wanted to be able to market their rights to those games and take that away from the NCAA, which negotiated with the networks as a overarching entity. It held all the rights. It held the leash, essentially. That is why you would only have the handful of games that you would get each weekend and why it was so limited. It's why we talk about how you know televised games for K-State were few and far between over the years. Yes, the NCAA and the networks were working in conjunction to make sure that they had the matchups, the big games, the important games. It's also how the NCAA was able to utilize that as an enforcement tool. Southwest Conference comes to mind. More on that in a moment. But the court case went the way of Oklahoma and Georgia. And that is that the Supreme Court ruled that the schools had the right to be able to control their own product. Shortly afterwards, the formation of what was known as the College Football Association came into being, and it would market the games. ESPN picked up a major boost in terms of its programming, and away we went. You can just follow the line from that to expansion of conferences. You can follow it to 
expansion of bowl game opportunities. Remember, most of the bowl games right now are owned by one entity, ESPN. Yeah, uh, it's quite interesting. ESPN events, you know, things like the Boca Raton Bowl. Yeah, that's ESPN's own product. So you've got that little portion of the history. And we bring it back then to the Southwest Conference. (laughs) Which, with all of the rich oil men involved, could not keep itself out of trouble. Do you realize that at one point, half of the league was on a probation of some sort? And a third of it had TV bans that they were not allowed to be on television? One of the reasons that the death penalty to SMU in 1986 played such a role in the future of college athletics beyond that point, specifically formation of the Big 12 and the disintegration of the Southwest Conference, one of the big reasons was the fact that SMU was not only not playing games, when they did return, they were banned from TV. That meant that Texas wasn't getting TV revenue. That meant that Texas A&M wasn't getting TV revenue. There were too many games that were not arable because the NCAA had TV bans in place for those schools that were deemed to have broken the law, if you will. You take that sledgehammer away from the NCAA, which is what the Supreme Court case did, you take away the ability for it to put TV bans in place because the NCAA doesn't own the rights anymore, you just lost a major enforcement tool for the NCAA, and you just gave schools the opportunity to look to other avenues. With the Southwest Conference being what it was at that point, and I mean, it was an utter disaster. You know, the oil men have got to be loving the fact that the, the day and age of NIL is in play here because they get to do what was illegal in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Not that it bothered them, by the way. It's why the Southwest Conference fell apart. Egos, arrogance, money, and the NCAA. But as you look at those things and how it added up, then you just follow the progression over the last 30 years and everything that has developed over time in college athletics traces back to the middle 1980s. Because that's where college football went from being the NCAA's property to being the property of the schools and the conferences. And it took away the NCAA's ability to tighten that leash. It gave ESPN programming, and we were off to the races. KU failed 
to make that change. And their attempts at varying points to try to change their luck failed on multiple levels and continued to fail at least until the point now where we are seeing some signs of life. But is it any wonder that after everything that has gone on, including their own sales process to their fans, that KU doesn't have the donor base to be able to fund a major renovation project and upgrade to their football stadium? that they instead have to go to their administration and the state to fund it. It's a shame. They've sold themselves short for so long, and that's how their donors view the situation. It's why we mock, as K-Staters, mock the fact that they lock in so hard on basketball school without the realization of what's actually happening in college athletics as a whole. And then to have had the mistakes, the high-profile mistakes that they have had during that time frame. K-State, meanwhile, had the foresight to recognize that it needed to get its football program right. It doesn't change the fact that it was a near miracle. It doesn't change the the fact that it took a lot of time, energy, money, work, all of it. But that's, in essence, what we've always done. You tell us that we need to do something and we do it. It's a K-State ethos. And it's a prime example of why today KU is having to admit that they had to take state funding. A $50 million grant from the State Department of Commerce and $150 million from its own endowment as a guarantee to get the grant, just to get the grant, for their football stadium. For their football stadium. Because of the impact that it has on, and again, the quote, a once-in-a-generation opportunity to strengthen KU as the state's primary talent magnet and enhance KU's ability to produce talented graduates for the Kansas workforce, end quote. K-State, John Weefald leading the charge, established its football program in that way. And we've all been aboard that train ever since. There's your difference right now between where KU Athletics is and where K-State is. It's quite striking. It's a simple little thing that if you're not recognizing it 
with what the Lawrence Journal World was reporting, if he maybe glossed over the headline, it's an easy thing to overlook. But when you step back and you look at the big picture, it reiterates again that KU is caught having to play catch-up at a time in which they really shouldn't have to be playing catch-up. While K-State gets to celebrate its ongoing efforts at building for the future and continuing to build and doing it on our own dime. Troy Coverdale flying solo this afternoon. Mitch Fortner is getting set to call high school basketball tonight at Emporia, so he's making his way down to call the Manhattan High Emporia Spartans matchups tonight. The girls game to get underway at about 6. Besides the pittance, I guess, that KU Athletics is getting from the State Department of Commerce to go to their football stadium. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Uh, Among the other just things that are out there today, if you get an opportunity to check out Juju Smith-Schuster's Twitter this afternoon, um... He absolutely had a wonderful Valentine while proceeding to light up the gentleman who got called for the hold the other night. To the point that A.J. Brown has now uh, gone at Juju Smith-Schuster, congratulating him, but then also noting that, well, it's lame. And proceeded to rip him from there. <laughs> oh, post-Super Bowl Twitter beef. My goodness, I didn't see that one coming. On Valentine's Day, no less. Beautiful card, though, too, from I'll Hold You When It Matters Most. With the photo. It's cold, man. Ice cold. That's just that's just mean. <laughs> that is just mean. Funny, but mean. Yeah, James Bradbury, unfortunately the victim of Juju Smith-Schuster's sniping tweet, and A.J. Brown uh, not taking very kindly to it. So you might want to check it out. Reaction has been actually pretty good, uh, just ranging from what people's viewpoints are. But it, it's humorous. I will I will give everybody credit that they've all at least got a relatively good sense of humor about it. But AJ, AJ standing up for his guy is pretty good, pretty good. So he came right back at uh, at uh, Juju. Uh, yeah, AJ Brown speaking truth. Uh, let's see here. Uh, oh man. Anyway, uh, see, I could just 
sit here and scroll through the rest of the afternoon, and that's not interesting for any of you. So uh, I, I'm not going to do that. Coming up in the next hour, we're going to hit Mitch Palm. In fact, we'll get that coming out of the top of the hour for you. We'll dig into a number two song of the day as well in the next hour and get you an update on what Mother Nature has in front of us for this nasty weather that looms. News kicks us off for the uh, top of the 5 o'clock hour, plus that check of your forecast. Hour 2 of the game on the way at News Radio KMAN.